Monday podcast. Brandon, John, it's going down. Oh, nothing much. I'm glad you know you, you threw the gals in there. We like to be inclusive. Absolutely, it's a it's a it's all inclusive party up in the Alter State. Absolutely, and you know we're on episode six. We're on the Rick Ankiel episode. See, I was gonna go order sixty six. Ooh, right. I thought you were gonna pull that before me. See, I, I thought well, the I I can't. I I'm now I'm a little disappointed in myself, <laughs> but I always like sixty six is forever. Rick Ankiel to me, because even though the majority of his big league career he wore twenty four, right? But when he came up as that phenom, he was sixty six. Yeah. And I remember, let me think. And I, I was in like sixth or seventh grade when that happened, and I was real into baseball card collecting at the time. Sure. And I dropped sixty bucks on that rookie card, like months of odd jobs and chores. Where's that card now? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I, I do have my whole baseball card collection in the basement. I'm sure I still have it. Okay. But at the time, and then like when he got the yips in the playoffs, it was like, yep. no, what did I waste my money on? I was at that game. Ooh. Yeah, it was rough to watch. It was rough to watch. I was out in the outfield. That's it was brutal. Rough. Yeah. Yeah, when you're in the outfield and you just see him going to the backstop, you're like, oh. Yeah. When you can tell from yeah. the outfield, rough. that's when you know. It's very rough. It's very rough. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pop open one of these fucking Bartles and James, <laughs> if you want one. I got my. Uh, <laughs> this is terrible. I got a big old handle of Tito's over there, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have anything to drink it with. I'm like, you have Dr Pepper. Oh, so I got Dr Pepper and Tito's going on. Blackberry mojito. So I got the six pack of what? Is, what is this called? Cape line. Yeah. Any any sort of spritzer is just infinitely Bartles and James to me. <laughs> right. Um. Which is weird because Bartles and James was definitely before my time. But totally. I've seen that commercial yeah. enough times that, yeah. like, any spritzer is Bartles and James. Right, right. But I didn't want beer. I've been drinking too much this weekend. Um, but I'm a little stressed out, Brain, and I'm a little on edge. <coughs> so, tell, tell me why. Um, because I'm a public school teacher yeah. in the time of COVID, and I want to jump off a bridge. All right, I don't want to know anymore why. But, uh, but either way, I was like, oh, I want something a little, a little light, a little more... Uh, delightful love, than normal. I love the soundbite people can pull from that podcast. Kind of a public <laughs> school teacher. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's the soundtrack to all of my right. colleagues now, so I don't feel bad about it. But yeah, like so when I was, I was like, I don't want beer, but I don't want to. I'm not trying to get drunk, so I don't want to sit here and drink liquor all night. Sure. So like what? Do I, and they had this assorted six pack of uh, Cape Line. So I got, uh, there's margarita, hard strawberry lemonade, and blackberry mojito. Maybe they'll all taste like shit. Wow. Or maybe they'll be awesome. Maybe. I'm going to I'm gonna hope, really, it doesn't matter. It's going to get the job tune done. Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> <laughs> or just tune in and fast forward about an hour. You'll find out. Hmm. That's all right. Would you go with there? A little. This, the, the top, I just grabbed the first one I saw. It's blackberry mojito. Okay. It's a. Uh, it's not really Bartles and James, right? No, oh, okay. no, it's Cape Line I'm, uh, sparkling cocktails. Do you know the uh, the group Band of Horses? Yes. Do you know any other stuff really, other um, than like funeral or yeah, not really. Stuff? There's a tune, um, and I forget the exact name of the tune, but there's a great line in it. It makes me think of that all the time. If Bartles and James didn't need no first names, I, I just love that. <laughs> I don't know why. I just think it's cool. Anyways, uh, Band of Horses is one of those groups. Uh, when I was in college. Um, I was living when I was living in Springfield. Uh, one of my real good buddies, who was my roommate, was like, 
He was like the indie rock guy. Sure. Like our house was very strange. We had like I, it was I lived with the four the three other dudes that I was in a punk rock band with for all of high school. Mm-hmm. So we were all pretty much on the same page in high school. Right. And then as we aged, uh, everyone else grew up but me. Um, <laughs> so I'm still showing up like throwing like blasted no effects at, at parties yeah. and like. Uh, you know, our, our lead singer became a real, like, singer-songwriter folk fan. Yeah. Uh, and our drummer turned into, like, a total hip-hop, uh, pop, top 40 fan. Oh, okay. Um, which I do not say derogatorily. I, I love me some pop music. Sure. Um, but then our guitarist is, like, real into indie rock. And that was – so this would have been, like, 2009, 2010 in that range. And, like, that was right when Band of Horses yes. really kind of broke. Oh, yep. So I don't – really know much of their shit but they are like in this they're in this amoeba with me of like oh that's some carl shit like i, I don't Fair know enough. like a uh, band of horses or phoenix it's the carl i know or yeah uh, um, probably pro- okay yes um yeah he lives in atlanta now but he's been around okay. we, we played softball with him and shit. i'm okay. sure you met okay. him okay. a handful of times before he moved away yeah one of my best friends i love him dearly but like when i hear being i'm like oh that's some carl shit man i i i, I, I think i think you dig it i might i really do especially um they put out a live at the uh, ramen theater um album like acoustic yeah it's pretty fucking amazing it's kind of like um i don't want to compare them to nirvana but the kind of the way nirvana redid their a lot of their tunes for the like you know a lot yeah. of people just go on unplugged and play the same mm-hmm. exact thing just unplugged they kind of, you know, re-sculpted it a little bit. Sure. Make it a little more acoustic friendly. And anything in that theater, acoustic, sounds Rips. fucking amazing. For sure. Um, but just even, you know, even the hits like, you know, um, Funeral, that that riff acoustically. That kind of arpeggiating. With just that, yeah, man. It's, it's some cool shit. It's yeah. some cool shit. So. It's funny you bring up Unplugged because this brings me to something that I've been spinning like crazy this week. Well, really like crazy for the last 18 years, but especially this last week. I'm assuming you probably weren't ever a dashboard confessional guy. Uh, you know, I qu- closetly, yeah, I oh, was. Okay. I was. Yeah. So I'm a huge dashboard yeah, confessional. I, I never guy. put it out there, but yeah. Oh, I've yeah. I've been on Front Street with it yeah. for a long time, yeah. especially the early years. Okay. Like uh, the more recent dashboard stuff, I dig. A little more rockier, on. but yeah. Um, yeah, I like it, but right. like that early kind of unpolished singer songwriter right. was that that really spoke to my teen angst. Sure. Yeah, screaming infidelities. And, I mean, it just it, dude. Fucking again, I go right. notice saints and sailors. Right. Remember to he's right. got jams. Right, absolutely. Um, but in '02, MTV tried to revive my favorite. Unplugged. By the way, uh, uh, where there's gold, there's a gold digger. I love that. <laughs> anyway, um, but MTV tried to revive Unplugged. Yeah, in 2002, and Dashboard Confessional was the first. Yes, I saw it. Group Great, they I, had have, on. I have it on disc. Right. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It is, and it is still to this day. I would argue top five live recordings. Ooh, okay. In especially in that genre. Yeah. Um, that was then, just him, wasn't it? Was it even a band? So that uh, he had his backing band, and the reason the like that whole that whole set was awesome. Yeah. But with I mean, in the runnings at least for my favorite moments in recorded music is track three on that is Remember to Breathe. And, uh, like, the first two songs are just him and his guitar. Okay. And then Remember to Breathe, it's just him and his guitar halfway through. And then the whole band jumps in, 
and the drum fill that comes in in the middle, like the way that all hits is legitimately one of my favorite moments in recorded music. It's fucking gorgeous. Let's go back and check it. That's what they did a separate acoustic with REM, right? Maybe. Or is that the same same set? Yep. Because I, I have it on the same disc, and I can't remember if it was a, like a just. So I, I, the one that I a couple have, of because that R- was the REM disc. did like six tunes and then covered three dashboard oh, songs. Dashboard did their that. thing and then covered. This wasn't okay. that. So okay. this was like legitimate MTV's unplugged. So this it was, was just all, this a was full, all MTV too, but yeah, yeah, it was the full MTV set. Right. And I remember when I bought the CD, it was like the CD came with the DVD yeah. video of it. Nice. But um, so I, I've been listening to that. A lot throughout my life. Like, I, you know, when it first came out and I'm in high school, I loved it. And I still revisit it with some frequency. Well, this year is the 20th anniversary of Dashboard Confessional existing. Okay. So they are releasing on vinyl all three of their first records that never came out on oh, vinyl. Oh, wow, yeah. Including MTV's Unplugged. Oh, wow. And I just Gotta got that, that pre-order nice. three days ago. Nice. And I am so fucking stoked so i've been spinning that unplugged yeah. hard Fuck yeah for like a week that's awesome and when we go on a break i'm gonna play you just the middle Please of that do. song yeah and you're gonna be like you're right that that's fucking nails and it's one of like it's one of the it's one of the moments that like you hear and think wow i can't believe they pulled that off live sure you know like if it's something it's one of those things that like when you hear it, you're like oh yeah that's logically what the song should do it's not like it comes out of nowhere it's the right thing right but it just it's made infinitely more impressive to me by like, oh, this is live and mostly acoustic instruments and the way that it's mixed and the way that it's performed and how tight it is is like, wow, man, they really fucking that was a, that's a one in a million beat like and obviously they're pros, but this is also like the very beginning of their career. They're sure. like twenty two or twenty three, right? You know, they're not fucking old hat at they're this not polished, or anything, right? Right, and. Yeah, it's... Uh, They're not uh. John Mayer, for Christ's sake. <laughs> it's a fucking chef's kiss of a moment, <laughs> is all I'm saying. It is beautiful. I uh, I feel, before going any further, we should you know definitely talk a little bit about uh, the horrible death of Chadwick Boseman. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm actually kind of relieved we didn't end up recording last week. Agreed. Because it was just... You know, I'm for everyone but... The people closest to him, no one had any idea. Total mystery, right? Right. And well, just the fact that he did what they like seven movies, yeah. Since he's known, he's, he's been fighting he's this been and fighting, and like at the stage three level, right? He's been fighting for over four years, right? Like, right. and I guess every he, Marvel performance that right. really, I think like if you look at his filmography, I think Forty Two, the movie that he's Jackie Robinson, yeah. Is like the only movie that's big, right? That came out before his diagnosis, right? Like everything, everything that you know him for, right. except for that movie, yep. he was filming while fighting stage three colon cancer, right? right. Like unreal. It is. It's unreal. Yeah, and he was doing the things he was doing as Black Panther, right? You know, stunt wise and shape. He was an action hero. Oh my god, man! Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. It, I mean, that's the type of stuff that like I think we lose sight of. Just because you see it so much, um, just how impressive that is. Sure. For anybody in an action movie, like to do the things that are done in Hollywood action movies these days, that alone is just an accomplishment of human condition. Right. And then add on to it 
the fact that you are fighting terminal cancer. Right. And, Unbelievable. And the, and the fact that, you know, I don't want to say, oh, he hit it so well, but how do you do that? Right. How do you hide that so well? It's unbelievable. From everybody who even, you know, you know, and I think it's it's a very personal thing. So obviously he didn't need to tell anybody anything. But the fact that, like, agents barely even knew. And you right. know, no one at any movie studio had any idea. Um, it's just amazing that. Well, God, I'm sure. Now, what, what, I'm sure the folks at <laughs> Disney had to know. Because you, any, any performer has to have a physical before getting insurance for any production. You would think that. Yeah. So they like they had to know at the top level. It seems it seems like they didn't. Just because of the way they were proceeding, you know, I mean, unless unless they didn't know how serious the diagnosis I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. They just, you know, I regard you know, it doesn't matter at this it's point just, obviously. It's it's a horrible shock to everybody, but uh, uh yeah. And I mean, such I did, a I saw I don't know if they're going to use it or not, but he recorded all of his dialogue for, for what, what if, if um, yep. I, which I think you have to use. Absolutely, I mean, that's know, the, well, know, that's so. the last thing that he'll be in. Right, right, um, right. And I'm I'm so glad that they got to do that. And it, like, you know, I think we, uh, especially kind of you know guys like us that kind of live in the pop culture world an, an awful lot, you you feel like you know these people sure. to some degree yeah. because you kind of live and die by their performances. Right. Um, but what's been really magical is since this passing, like the stories that have come out about him. Amazing. Yeah. I'm just like, wow. Right. I, I don't think I ever appreciated how good of, how genuine of an artist he was. Like In- you hear the stories, there are a lot of actors that are like actors and right. good, but like right. he really, he really appreciated the craft right. and the and the artisanship of acting in right. a way that I don't think a lot of modern actors do. Agreed, right? Because they don't need to, you know. Right. Like I feel like actors before thirty years ago kind of needed to have the craft because the actor needed to carry the production a lot more. Right. But since the mid nineties. Well, when you're mass producing things the way we do nowadays, the term actor is kind of a, it's a loose term. It's like porn star. You just really got to show up. Right. Someone point a camera at you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like real actors are on stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and obviously, I think there's a ton of film and television actors that are real actors. Oh, most definitely. I feel like I sound. Sure. But I think. No, no, no. Prior to the mid-90s, every actor was like. A legitimate actor. Right. Because right. they had to carry so much more. Right. But with the advent of um, digital effects, especially, you know, it's the money shot in a movie is very rarely the performance anymore. Totally. You know, right. which is why excellent performances shine so bright. Because it's like I, I consume a lot of television and film that is not outrageous performances you know (laughs) like it's wonderful writing it's wonderful editing it's wonderful full-on production but i'm not seeing like knockout performances all the time but chadwick boseman was really one of those that was like oh wow like especially 
Like, really, just seeing... And it, this seems like it should be a small thing for an actor. And it is for a good actor. But the fact that, like, he pulled off an African accent as well as he did in those movies right. for being a guy from South Carolina. South Carolina, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, like... An African—that's a kind of obscure ac- ac- right. accent, you know. Well, like that's not—it's no, not like right. a gimme British accent right. or right. or Southern American accent. Right. Like an African accent is a pretty specific dialect, and he especially doing it next to legitimate African actors right. in that movie. Who you know, uh, you didn't want to come off as doing an impression of them type thing. Sure, you don't want to be disingenuous. Absolutely, no. It's funny because not funny, um, but they replayed his Saturday Night Live from a year or so uh-huh. ago, and I had seen it previously. And sure, it was very good. But I always forget he's like one of those actors who's English. When you hear his real voice, like oh wait, I forgot he's right, like American. You know, <laughs> that was when he. Uh... It's like all the people from Walking Dead. I hear them speak on the Walking Dead. They sound like they're from Atlanta. Right. Next thing you know, they're they're all Australian or British. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So, so you know, obviously when he passed, it's like there's a million pieces of footage that come out. Sure. And like the amount of things that I would see that were like interviews or award things, I'd be like, wow. Yeah. Like you're, that's impressive. Yep. To and the fact that like that was his choice, right? You know, like Disney wasn't act. Asking for an African accent. Right. And he was like, no, I need to honor this source material. Mm-hmm. And when when you see someone take what is, at at the surface level at least, especially to middle-aged white guys, just a big budget action movie. Right. You know? But when you see somebody say like, all right, this is a big budget action movie, so I can be fast and loose if I want to. But for him to, one... Take it seriously enough to be like, no, this character is from Africa. I want to be, I want to honor that source material. But also for him to understand the cultural impact of that film on an entire community yeah. that hadn't seen themselves represented that way before. Right. And to to take that seriously in a situation which you kind of didn't have to. Is a really uh, I, I appreciate that sure. like the artisanship in that yeah. of understanding the weight of your decisions and of the moment right. and saying I'm going to make this job a little bit harder on me because it's what the project deserves. Sure, yeah, owning that responsibility and like welcoming that responsibility in a way, you know, what right? I mean? and, um, yeah, and running with it like I wouldn't know anybody else who could do that the way he brought his own personality if you want mm-hmm. to call it to not just the character but just to the um to the universe the at large yeah, to the, the marvel MCU. universe yeah. at large right right yeah it's gonna it's a weird you know obviously they've said at this point you know they, they plan to write him out they're not just mm-hmm. gonna replace him as an actor i mean there's no way you could do that who would take that role see i i've been going back and forth on this mm-hmm. and i the the decision that they've announced that they're saying we're not going to recast T'Challa and Shuri is going to become the Black Panther. I'm I'm 100% in support of that. Sure. But I but just a thought process that I was having when I was thinking about kind of like the future of the MCU in relation to that. I think there is there would have been room to me uh if done right and that's a tough needle to thread. 
But I could almost imagine uh, Black Panther 2 becoming a, f- a farewell to T'Challa mm-hmm. and having the logical change of Shuri accepting the mantle by the end of the movie. Right. But how interesting could it have been to kind of do the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus type situations? Like when Heath Ledger died. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't remember that kind of obscure movie, uh, Heath Ledger filmed a chunk of it. And then they just took the rest of the movie and just brought in like his friends to right. act as parts, parts of it. it. Right. And it kind of made it like, could you imagine, for example, Michael B. Jordan fucking Killmonger himself right. all of a sudden being T'Challa and genuinely being T'Challa for a handful of scenes. Um, seeing other icons in uh, in African-American cinema right. kind of take off that mantle for, for a handful of scenes and not even acknowledge it as if it's like different or weird, but just like sell that. Right. And then at the end, it really kind of becomes almost this love letter to his work. And at the end, so you can tell you can tell the story of the death of T'Challa. Right. In a way, like, that story deserves to be told sure, and would make a really compelling movie. But you could also make it a really nice love letter to the work of Chadwick Boseman and to the African-American film community at large. Sure. And then end it with Shuri accepting the mantle and, the like, the yeah. Shuri Black Panther stories yeah. come next. Again, that'd be a real tough needle yeah, to thread. Yeah. But in my head, I was like, that'd be pretty fucking dope, dude. I would watch this. Sh- I'm going to watch idea. whatever they do because oh, I think sure. they'll do a great job. Yeah. And I think uh, I would argue that the Shuri character was as much fun for me to watch as the T'Challa character. Yeah. So, like, her becoming Black Panther, I'm super in for. You know, it's kind of like uh, if. Uh, God, now I can't think of his name. All of a sudden, the the guy who does the the armory in James Bond, Q Q, yeah, it's kind of like Q becoming 007. Sure, anyway, you know, yeah. I'm like that's yeah. a that's fucking cool. Like yeah. that's a very different skill set that yeah. could that'll be really fun to watch. And point. I think yeah, I'm excited to see that movie. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it would be I think there could be room for that that version of the film to exist, the Imaginarium version. Sure, something to think about. Um, and they've announced it's what they're not going to do. But if I could talk that into existence right now, <laughs> that's right. Because I want to see happened. that. I want to see that movie. I think you'd have badly. a better chance of seeing that, like as an animation kind of thing. Totally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I other, would take that. <clears throat> sure. Honestly, if if they <clears throat> what would what would be really badass is do Black Panther, uh, Black Panther two that with the Shuri assuming the mantle as planned right now, but give me a Disney plus exclusive, like a 45 minute short, you know, not even like a full movie right. and make it animated right. and pass on the T'Challa voice. And then at the end it becomes Shuri. And that's your, that's your prequel right. to black Panther two. So that it, cause to me, I, and obviously as an audience member, we're aware of Chadwick Boseman passing. So we're aware right. of why the decisions were made. Right. But as a, if I'm watching the film, I'm frustrated. Like that character deserves an on-screen goodbye. I know what you mean no, I agree. You know, agree. and like actor performances, like the it's what the project calls for. 
And I think it could be done in a way that is super interesting and super respectful while also honoring what the what the project needs. Sure, how much mean? It's not that it. You said like you know other actors and and things like that taking his place. You said Michael B. Jordan. I mean Denzel. Well, I was gonna be fucking. Well, the first thing that pops in my head, which wouldn't work, is just uh, um, Morgan Freeman just doing narration for the whole thing. That's all I hear, dude. And that could like you. Could... All I hear is and T'Challa walked amongst the ancestors. But for real, that would be pretty fucking cool. I'm not denying it wouldn't be. I'm just that's all I hear. That's all I can picture right now in my head is and I, when I think about like the the cultural significance because that the, here's the difference with the Black Panther and most of the rest of the Marvel universe. Uh, Captain Marvel aside, and even that to a different level because while we haven't seen nearly as much uh, female representation in the superhero world. We've seen more of it than we've seen African American. Sure. Um, so like Black Panther, like for any number of reasons, carries more weight than the rest of the Marvel universe. Like yeah. there are there are going to be more eyes on it. That movie is going to mean more to more people than any of those other movies. Sure. So the pressure to get it right is is huge right. and I don't know like I'm I, I'm glad I'm not the person making those choices oh I'm God, glad right? I'm not Ryan Coogler trying to like rewrite my entire script and right. figure it out and while also mourning the death of my friend and right. collaborator like right. that's yeah, that's I, an unenviable task I can't imagine what that must be like to have to write him out right you know what I mean to fit this I'm sure they you know that's their idea but no one sat down to do that obviously at this point because it just it just happened. Well, it's like Ryan Coogler. He he wrote um, kind of an in memoriam piece where he was taught like Black Panther two is supposed to come out right like late next year. Like the right. script was already done, like there. Right. right. So for him to say, "Wow, I I I I broke my back to really produce the script that I'm proud of," and then now at the same time I have to mourn the loss of someone I deeply admire and deeply respect and enjoy working with. And while dealing with that pain, I also have to write a brand new story right. that I feel is just as good as the one I just spent three years working on, but I have half the time to work on it. Yeah. And that's that's really that's, that, that's a that's, that's a really hard that's a hard ask. Yeah, that's yeah. a hard thing to put a guy through. Yeah. And again, and I think you could do it awesome with like bring in maybe bring in all these yeah. heavy hitters yeah. that that are in that community and just let them just one after one knockout scenes. Like, God, that would be dope, man. We, we shall see. I, uh, should take a quick break. Uh, sure. Jump into something. Let's take a quick break. Let that sit for a second. Yeah. Reset. Yeah. All right. Now we're back. Now we're back. After we sufficiently bummed ourselves out talking about the future of the live music industry. (laughs) Yeah. No shit. Right. We took a break so we could reset. Yeah. Didn't work. No. Didn't work. I guess we're just old, sad bastards. That's what it is. Time to accept. Well, it, I wanted to jump back in because what we were talking about kind of relates to what I wanted to bring up real quick. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's sad, but it's still, it's good. You saw, of course, Mr. Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his family mm-hmm. all tested positive, but are now good to go. Okay. Uh, Mr. Michael Rooker. I saw that. Merle. He's good to go. Yeah. He's good to go now. So, it's, and um, uh, Batman now. Fucking, right. Uh, they shut production Our down. Pats. Yeah. 
you know, the, the, my, I'm trying to think of how to word this because I mean, honestly, it doesn't fucking matter what I think, <laughs> but in reality, when I look at the, the COVID situation, I, I feel like it's so much more that COVID itself isn't the thing that's doing people in it's I like I feel like any pre-existing condition oh, or sure. right any type of actual flu season turns an inconvenience into a hospital stay turns a hospital stay into a death sentence sure sure um and that shit scares me absolutely um which is why I kind of have like a weird I I have less optimism right now than maybe I did a few months ago because like coming into the summer Things have started to normalize, at least a little bit. And you've seen enough people be positive and then come out the other end that it's like, okay, this is going to be fine. But it's like, no, man, it's summertime. Everyone's pretty healthy anyway. Sure. Um, So then, like, all of a sudden I start thinking, like, ooh. So I got pneumonia, like, four years ago. And since then, I get sick as fuck from November to February every year. Like, just generally respiratory discomfort. Sure. Um, so I'm like, ah, oh, shit, man. Like, if something happens, is that going to all of a sudden go from, like, being, I just kind of feel like shit for a few months to, like, fuck, I got to go to the hospital? Down, right. Like, that's some shit that scares me. But Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He is a pre-existing condition. Right. So he's a, that motherfucker is a, is a god amongst men. That's right. I ain't worried about him. Yeah, yeah. And his offspring. Right. Yeah. They, they got... They, they got a uh, they got holy genes. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. How does that? That's work like Hercules, out? Yeah. man. How do you like, win the? Your dad's Zeus. Right. All right. You won the DNA you're, battle. You're a demigod. Yes. Oh my god. Already. Not even fair. You're gonna be fine. Right. Doesn't even matter who your mom is. Right. You know what I mean? Could be. But anybody. then again, like you're a guy like Dwayne Johnson, who's that active. You're not marrying someone who's not active. No, I, I think his wife is like a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, so she's a, you know, genius. Doesn't one of those girls who doesn't need him? You yeah. know what I mean? So that's how you know you got someone good. Yeah, like got <laughs> got all all the all the intellect right. and everything else to be right. like, "Oh, okay. We're yes. we're peers." Absolutely. 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 What a win. Well, I, it's not Dwayne the, Johnson. Not the, not that old saying, you know, behind every good man, the whole woman thing, but you know, he was successful. Mm-hmm. And then he got with her, and he went up a lot of levels. Like, he was Shit, the Scorpion King without her, and now he's the highest-paid actor in the right. world. He is you know the, what I'm saying? So. It is. I mean, can we just take a minute to appreciate the just the phenomenon that is Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Right. Like, as a... My bad, my bad. I tapped the microphone. As a wrestling fan... um. You know, you you watch this dude's career start, and now he is. I he just went from being a a fucking wrestler, um, needing assholes to smell what he was cooking. The eyebrow guy to now like legitimately the biggest star in Hollywood. Right, right, and and it's not like it's not for nothing, um. Like he's good at it, right? You know, Very good. like he's not—he's not a charity case. No. Like, no, it's not just a joke, right? Like, holy shit, man, that's uh, fucking bonkers. That's what's weird about it. Absolutely. Um, speaking of John Cena trying to follow the footsteps, yeah. Do you know who he's gonna play in the next Spider-Man movie? 
Yeah, I like it. I, he was cast? He was cast. They've announced it? They haven't announced officially. But the rumors are swirling? They, they've announced that he's going to be in the movie. They have okay. not announced the character. Okay. But everybody has assumed. Who, who would you go with? A live action. <clears throat> so we're talking about the live action, yeah, not yes. the Sony Correct. offshoots that they're doing live in the shows. Correct. In Spider-Man 3, who would be the logical... Because vi- uh, i got to think, not only... I don't even. I'm not even going to think for John Cena. I'm going to think for the story itself. The logical villain coming up. Um, At first, when they said it, or when I read it, I was like, "Hmm, I'm not sure." But then I, they they showed a picture of John Cena, and it I was sold. I just the, the his facial features work for what I. Or they did something like fucking character. Rhino. No, Sandman. Huh. I liked it. I liked it. Picture, I don't dislike it. Picture like a John Cena with like the buzz cut. Like a, you know what I mean? So I here's where I'm just hoping that um that that John Cena is following in the Rock's footsteps. Because you know, at this point we've seen John Cena in enough movies. He's done a fair amount of acting at this point. He's never really impressed me with his acting chops. That's totally fair, yeah. But that said, neither did Dwayne Johnson for like the first six or seven fucking movies he was in. You know, like when he was Scorpion King or the fucking Tooth Fairy. Right. Like, he was very clear, just still kind of like a beefed up fucking guy. Right. Um, And he really learned to be a good actor. Yeah. So my hope is if... If John Cena is taking that next step, then I'm here for it. I, I'm going to reserve all of my judgment on that casting until I see the Suicide Squad. Okay, fair. If I, if I see him in the Suicide Squad, he is going to show me enough there whether I think he deserves the MCU or not. Okay. okay. You know? That's but fair. I mean, That's fair, yeah. Dave Bautista also deserves the MCU. So if he does, True. John Cena, I mean... It's 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 a weird, huh? I know it's. I'm intrigued. I'll leave it. At, I am not disappointed in that casting. Okay, that's the best I can I say right now. Yeah. I, I think wrestlers getting cast in movies happens, you know, more and more often, and it gets that weird taste in people's mouth because they still go to the Hulk Hogan type stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, the what do you have, Mister Nanny and things? Yeah. What, you know, just horrible things like that. And he never surf ninjas. He never got over as a mainstream actor. Right. And I think people still just default to that. Even, like, I really, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if he did this purposely or what, but most people, even when they they still call him The Rock, do not think wrestler anymore. Right. It, you know, it just, he's right. that, he's that yeah. leading man. He's oh, a leading he's, man. He's certainly, the the first instinct of most of America is not and viewing he's real, him as a And he's not that far from, removed from it. I mean, right. he, he wrestled like four years ago. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he still comes back every now and then to do shit. And he was, he was a big deal, huge deal in the wrestling world huge. for a long time. Yep. You know, like he was, he was Stone Cold Steve Austin, totally big. Right. You know, like he right. was Hulk Hogan. Yep. He was that character of the time. He was, you know, he was top of upper echelon. Yep, absolutely for quite the career. Yes, but I also think, like we we tend to look at wrestlers as like. Oh, here's a wrestler acting. But in reality, that's all they've ever done. Right. You know, like these wrestlers operate under more or less of a script and they're doing it 
with physical performance in right. a very big way. So right. like those skill sets aren't different. Right. You know, like the if you're not a classically trained actor, being a wrestler might be the next best thing well, to being a classically trained actor. You're in front like, of a live audience weekly. Right. right. And you are performing right. based on predetermined results. Absolutely. Um right. and especially like a lot of these guys are probably pretty fucking nice guys, but they have to play heels. Totally. The Rock! Right. He was a fucking heel. Yep. For a good stretch of Long his career. Time. Right. Like big time. And for all by all accounts, he's like the most charming man alive. Right. So clearly, dude what dude knew how to act then. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And I think like you said, you could go back to Hulk Hogan, but you could also go back to Andre the Giant. Yeah. You could go back to fucking they live. Piper. Yeah, I mean yeah. like great. You have legitimate I know. I know acting performances from well, wrestlers. Well, I'm not going to sit there and say Andre the Giant was a great actor. No, but I'm not going to sit there and say he was a joke either. No, no, not at all. That like, was Granted, what, he just always played an Andre the Giant Well, I was going to say, because everybody will go right towards Princess Bride. Princess Bride um, which is fucking wonderful. Right. That's just a matter of finding the perfect role for that guy to play. Right. I mean, it, it wouldn't have been nearly as great if anybody else would be, you know, anybody want a peanut? Yeah. Wouldn't have been as good. Wouldn't have been as good. It's a true story. Right. But if the French Andre the Giant says it, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Biggest French Was he French? Ever. French, yeah. I didn't know if he was French or French-Canadian. You could tell He's he had from, that accent. Uh, some, um, some, some, hill, some mountains in France, but he's, he's, he's French. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. We. Oui. That's, that's all I know for French. I took, uh, it's so funny, I think about it all the time as a teacher i took four years of french in high school and i did very well mm -hmm. i spoke borderline fluent french um and then left high school and obviously never had to use it right um but in my head i was like that was always a skill set that i just had yeah like i just like a suit like it's like you riding a bike. like right. of course i can yeah. and then when i started teaching i will never forget uh the our, our French teacher had like an assignment for the kids where they were doing like a like a French scavenger hunt or whatever so like she sent out an email to the whole staff that was like hey if you'd be willing to participate um, I'm gonna if like you know let me know if you're willing to participate and if you are uh, I'll put a prop in your room and I'll give you a, a little script so kids will come in and ask a question in French and you're gonna give a response in French like a one line response okay. so I was like fuck yeah man I'm in of course and so like I signed up, and, you know, she comes and drops off, like, the fucking sweater or whatever it was. And the first kids show up, and I'm like, I'm going to fuck with these kids. Right. I'm going to go conversational. And I just couldn't. <laughs> like, nothing right. left. Right. And it was like, when, when they would speak in French, I still totally remember enough to understand it. Like, if I got lost in France, I could remember enough that I could understand what someone's saying to me. But, like, I could not formulate simple fucking statements to these guys. I was sure. like, oh, my God. What have I done? Why did I spend so much time cultivating <laughs> this obscure fucking skill set that is completely gone? Yeah. God damn it. I know. All I had to do was practice. It's, it's, all I had to do was fucking maintain. Don't use it, you lose it. Ah, it made me so mad. It still makes you. me mad just thinking about it. <laughs> I took two years of uh, Spanish, and I still struggle ordering Taco Bell. Because you do that, and <laughs> I, I don't eat Taco Bell. That's the dumbest thing I've said on this whole podcast ever. 
don't even eat Taco Bell. It's that you don't eat Taco Bell, not the fact that you're just not going to speak Spanish to the fucking high school fucking rat mustache, snot-nosed shithead that's taking your order at 2 in the morning. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that too. That kid doesn't doesn't know Spanish. He does not. He does not. Barely knows English. Right. I, uh... I got a couple other random little things. I okay. don't have anything exciting. Do you have any? Well, I take that back. Everything I have exciting. Everything's exciting. Do you have anything you would like to talk about before I bring up one of my random topics? Let's hear around. Let's see where, where we can go from here. Um, the Boys' first three episodes came out. Ooh, did you have watch? you watched them? I did watch all three. I have not. Yeah. None? None? What's your... None. I, I love it. I think it's... actually. I didn't, no, I, I was going to give it some criticism at the first, but it really, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a dull first episode, but it picked up within like 10 minutes. Really? Yeah. I was into it right away. I have not heard much about it. That was one, so like those first three episodes dropped on Friday. Yeah. And so I, this was my first week back teaching proper. That shit was exhausting doing online. So like Friday came and uh, Libby was gone helping a friend do like some wedding shit anyway so it was like after i put the kids to bed it was just me and i was like all right now's the time but it was like 8 45 i was like nope i'm going to sleep <laughs> and then saturday i was out in washington for this wedding thing all day and then yesterday i was playing tony hawk pro skater one and two all day yep. and it was awesome so yeah. i haven't had time yet and even now that i do there's one show that i'm real in on um and I only have two episodes left. So I'm going to kill those two. Okay. And then my hope is to be able to watch these episodes of the boys throughout the week so that when they drop the new one on Friday, I can hop in with it. How would you like so as a fan of the first season? Yes. Do you feel like this is I think I it's guess, right in line with how the first season kept going. Okay. I don't think it's better or worse. I think it's so far it's stayed true to It's hard to say it's better because when the boys first came out, I really didn't know what the hell to expect. Sure. And then it was like, boom, this Whoa. is you know. Yeah. It, I don't want to say watchman-esque, but it's the way it's shot and the way it's delivered is is intended to be shocking. Well, and it just and it and it hits you it hits you quick. Absolutely. Like that first episode of season 1 was like, right. Oh boy. Boom. Right. Oh, we're going right okay. away. Right. Um and I think they've maintained that. I okay. think they saw the same. Um, I don't even know the word for it. This direction, I guess. Uh huh. Um, so, same vibe. You know what I mean? It's, it still looks very similar. So I guess what? Still a lot unknown in these first three. I still a lot of questions. They haven't really jumped into the plot heavy. They've uh, been more introducing. I mean, they, they've you know you know where the last one left off, right? Yes. You know, so you. You find out more about that situation and the, okay. the kid and stuff like that. So okay. they're, they're it's really more around that right now. But then there's also, you know, they blew up the one superhero, so they're replacing the superhero in the seven as well. Okay. So there's also infighting in the seven, and now, um, you know, the public is becoming aware that they're created and not born, and you know, so. But but we're you know we're only three episodes in, so it's still a okay. whole lot to come in to, to wrap up. So I get so. I guess my thoughts before seeing it, my 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 pretest, I guess as far as the kind of thoughts or curriculum that I 
would kind of assess it against is I loved how they built that world in the first season. I loved um, how they treated those characters, but I think it ended in a real, in the most compelling place that it could for me. Okay. Like, so when I think about moving forward, there's a bunch of directions they could go, but to me, the most interesting is that idea of the public perception of the public knowing now that they're using the serum to boost their powers. Compound V. I think it's yeah. Really, yeah. So if they're using this serum to, and they are born, they're not created necessarily, but they are enhanced dramatically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of the public knowing that and kind of choosing what information they consume runs a lot of parallels with our current world. Very much so, right. So I think there's some interesting story to be told there. Yep. Um, whereas I also think there's the natural kind of thought process of just like expand, like just going all in on these superheroes and it's more of season one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm interested in seeing more and of it, season one. It's definitely not the same story. You know, I don't want to, okay. it, it's, it's the logical next step. It is the next step. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's not repeating any anything whatsoever. That's what yeah, I'm here for cuz I like I feel like other than the tone and the, the, sure. the you know that kind of thing. Well, it's, I like I I guess my my worry was that like the first season to me told a complete story and I could have I could imagine say the folks at Amazon or the money makers saying ooh what makes this work is that it's a bunch of jaded assholes that are raw and kill superheroes. Um, and in reality, that's not what makes it work. Right. That's, uh, that's provides some fun moments and that's the vehicle to start the story, but that's not what made it compelling. So I always tend to get a little anxious in moments like this where I know there's studio money behind it. Sure. Thinking, Ooh, okay. Let's do more blowing up of superheroes just by these. And it's like, yeah, sure, there's going to be some of that. But you need to let the story breathe and dictate and go to more interesting And having said that, at this point, I don't recall a big action scene. You know what I mean? No blowing buildings up. No planes coming down. Uh You know, it's all been, you know, very story driven. Okay. And, and it still I, plays very well. I mean, I'm here for that. You know, I'm excited then. Um, because you know, there's people on the inside of the superhero company business, sure. whatever you want to call it, who are realizing the truth and you know trying to blow it up from the inside right. and thing. So you have kind of that that kind of story going on. And if we get more, do we get more of Giancarlo Esposito? Oh my God, he's all over it. That's why Good, it's, it's fantastic. I fucking love that. He dude. takes over. I'll watch him in anything. Yeah, he takes over. Um, um, shoe spot. Okay. So. He he's running that company and in you know running the superhero kind of thing and steps up to Homelander. It's it's fantastic. He's got some he's it's cool shit. Okay, it's good shit. He's, he's I'm here fantastic. for that because yeah. I yeah I I love that dude. Yeah, and yeah. anything that he's in, I I I co-sign. Yeah. Do you remember uh, or did you ever watch? There was a kind of obscure show. This was probably seven or eight years ago. It only ran one season on NBC called Revolution. Don't recall that. So it was the whole concept was um, 
all electricity in the world stopped working. So it um, created kind of an apocalypse. Okay. But really, it's just that electronics don't work. So there's no disease. There's no catastrophe. It's just how does humanity move forward? In the dark. Right. Right. Um, But it's not like trying to figure that out. It's like that happens. And then we fast forward five or ten years or however long. And it's the story picking up from there. Okay. So the whole story takes place in this kind of dystopian future, kind of not. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a trite premise. But Giancarlo Esposito was the lead. Well, not the... He was one of the leads. And he was kind of the... Kind of... He was playing a villain character in that as well. And it was like... His performance alone continued to make that series compelling for me enough so that like when they canceled it i understood but i was like man i kind of want to see more of that sure because i just want to see that dude be more of him and like yeah. when when they introduced him into the mandalorian i was like yes yes and when they introduced him into the boys i was stoked yep. like give me more of him in everything that's right that's right no uh i think boys uh, still solid. I think you should watch it. You didn't. You'd love the shit out of the second season. I for sure will. That's on the docket. As soon as I finish, I've been watching the show called uh, Teenage Bounty Hunters. Okay. On Netflix. Yeah. I love it. It is my favorite non-genre thing in a long time. Okay. Like, I. It, it's no mystery that I love the. Uh, you know, the sci-fi, fantasy, comic book realm, right? And most of the stuff that gets my attention and gets my time is adaptations out from that. You know, that's just the way it is. More often than not, I'm watching sequels or reboots or reimaginings of source material. Sure. Um, but haven't, been, we, haven't we really always? Sure. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not saying that as a, as a poo-poo on it. Right. Source material used been to be while source material used to be Broadway and books. Now it's just sure older movies, and you know. So it's all I'm saying is it's been a while since I've gotten really invested in something that was not an adaptation of something. Already. It's been a long time since I've really fallen in love with something that's fresh to me. Sure, let me put it that way, I guess. And this is fucking that man. It is. Uh, it's totally. The type of shit that's up my alley. It's um, a little bit teen soap opera y, but that's a gross understatement. Okay. So I don't want I don't want that to be my lead. Um, Too late. But go ahead. It, right. <laughs> um, it's very much in the vein of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, minus the supernatural stuff. Okay. Or Veronica Mars, like really just kind of cool noir ish. Um, but like funny as fuck, super funny um, and really unique while also being really comfortable. You know, like it's, okay. it's that old, it's that old shoe you put on. Like I've watched Veronica Mars and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I loved them. Right. And this is definitely like a cousin of those shows. Okay. So it has all the things of that genre that are comforting to me, but it's still really new and fresh. Okay. And funny. It's a, it's these teenage sisters, these twin sisters, um, takes place in Atlanta 
and they're like part of this hyper Christian community and they kind of inadvertently become bounty hunters. Okay. Like in the first episode, there's like a whole weird deal. You know, it's this whole contrived thing that sets it up. Right. That makes them, they kind of work under this bounty hunter then. So the show is like them working this double life of being bounty hunters and catching bail skips at night. Um, while also being like these high school kids in this super okay. rich hoity toity Christian community. Yeah. And then, so like you start to learn like the hypocrisies and shittiness under that. And like these kids are really coming of age and learning who they are outside of the hyper rich private world. Like, so there's a fun, there's an interesting story there, mm-hmm. but also just like really great performances from all people I've never seen. Like the three female leads I've never seen in anything. Is it uh drama, comedy, dramedy? A little bit of uh I would lean more toward comedy. Okay. But and it's it's an hour long show. Okay. So it's not it's not a sitcom. Okay. And it's definitely got dramatic moments. As you know, if you got a forty minute show You've got to have dramatic moments to carry the plot forward. I, I know. I but, watch wrestling. Right. So it's not straight up comedy. But if I had to categorize, I would probably say it's more comedy than anything. Okay. I don't know. It's it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, Buffy okay. the Vampire Slayer is very funny. Okay. Um, even though it had those dramatic moments, it was it was way more about Sarah Michelle Geller being a fucking goofball right. than being serious, you sure, know? Sure, sure. And I would say, I would put this in that. I get a lot more laughs out of it than I get, like, heartfelt moments or mysterious moments. But it's got that, there is a big underlying mystery that I'm excited to pay off in the next episode right. they've been building. And there's, uh, like, infighting between people. But it's it's just fucking fun to watch, man. It is charming it is refreshing, uh, and it's only 10 episodes, like a regular Netflix season, so it's been easy to get through, sure. and it's just, it It feels both old and new at the same time. Okay. Like I said, like it's definitely in that same world as like a Veronica Mars and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I've been nothing but vocal about how much I fucking love Veronica Mars, right? yes. <laughs> and it's it's cut from that same cloth. But it's definitely not a rehashing of those ideas okay. by any means. Right. I would highly recommend you sit down and watch one episode. Give it a shot because you'll be. I, I think it'll. I think it'll get you. I like it. All right. Because it's it's fuck it's fun, man. It's a fun fucking watch. Did, I can't remember if I talked about this before. Have I talked about uh, Class Action Park? No. I watched that the other day. Is it awesome? It's fucking great. I I can't. Wa- I want to watch that. I want to. No, don't watch get me wrong. It's a documentary about a park that uh, you know back in the '80s and stuff that had. I don't want to say tons of people got hurt, but lots didn't of people like, got hurt. Didn't like three people die. A lot of some people died. So I don't want to say it's a fun ride. Yeah, but it's talk about something from your childhood. I mean, it shoots shoots me right back to fucking sure. the '80s, man. I mean, I, there was a couple different water parks that I went to. You know, they, they weren't necessarily like this, this huge and this um, to scale, but definitely you know, dangerous. Oh, <laughs> you know, you, you just they talk about the you know, the hot fucking concrete. That's just that's rough. People are cutting their feet all day long. 
Um, you know, the parks aren't really set up as far as like, you know, you have to walk so far to get to all these rides. You know, and the, mm-hmm. like I said, the concrete's all fucked up. Um, infestation of snakes and, you know, these because one there was the water park side and then like the motor park side where they had go-karts and like ski boats. Mm-hmm. But the ski boats are on real rivers. And these rivers had snakes and, you know, they didn't, there was no insurance. This guy was like the shadiest motherfucker of all time. You know, state, obviously, you have a theme park, you have to have insurance. Nope, go fuck you, I'm not doing insurance, too expensive. Creates his own fake insurance company in the Cayman Islands. Oh, man. So anytime anybody sued, they got nothing because there was Unreal. no insurance. I mean, someone died. They had par- This guy died. $100,000. That's it. Wow. That's it. Park was open two days later. That's it. It's insane. It's insane. I want to watch that so bad. It's a different fucking world. It was a different time. I'm not saying it was better or worse, you know. But as having being a person who lived through it, it it, it, it hits different. Oh my god! They show all the old commercials from you know. It was it was just like if I would have had fucking like a fucking uh, Kool Aid juice box type shit, and it was ridiculous, man. I'm that's it's so weird. So much fun. Um, watching things that are documentaries of of experiences from our childhood it's so funny because you know like the world has changed um and that's good the world's a safer place oh typically sure um so i'm not like i don't want to romanticize kind of weird things however yeah when i watch documentaries that like or i'll hear things from kids will be like listen to how fucked up this was and i'm like yeah but it wasn't right it didn't feel like that like i guess you're right when you have all the information you contextualize it it's really fucked up right but when you were like it's one of those things that's kind of like you think like someone watches a documentary like that that wasn't alive then thinks like how did this happen how was this how did how did it get there right and all of us who were kind of there were like well it didn't feel right like that yes and maybe that's kind of a danger. You know, I think there's a lot of parallels to that kind of in our political world, too. Oh, sure. Yeah. We're like, yeah, uh, never mind. Yeah, that's fair. I, I had well, a whole thought process that really doesn't, I don't need it, to go You know, right it's now. like the whole safety thing. People are like, well, it's a different world. And, and it was, but, you know, but I always think of it like, because for the longest time, you know, you'd see, I remember being in my 20s, and you see some kid riding down the street with a helmet on his little bike, you're like, Fucking parents are pussies. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you didn't put a helmet on. What you, a dweeb. Right. You just. You, that's, but looking. Yeah, look, I did not. Looking own at a it now, helmet. like the things we knew, we know about head trauma and concussion. Of course you. You know, skateboarding. Of course you're wearing my, a helmet. You know, things like kids that. My kids will not get on their bike without a helmet. Right. 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 Like and that's and I say that as a kid who grew up never wearing right. a helmet. Right. The only time, like, I, I never wore one on a bicycle, and I only wore one skateboarding right if i went to the skate park that right. i needed one to allow me in exactly exactly like if i'm going to ramp riders all right fine, fine. like right. I, I own a helmet right but like other than that right it wasn't but even happening so 50 years before that everybody smoked right yeah you smoked indoors a doctor smoked you look at you of course Dude. inhaling smoke is not good for you of course but I don't know. I don't have an answer for you, but that they, you know, they recommended it in some place. You know what I mean? It was encouraged. Once again, 
You're not having a smoky pussy? I mean, it was the right. same mentality. But that also goes to show, like, while the world can change a lot in a lot of ways, like, oh, this is acceptable, this is not. It, it Smoking is the perfect example to me of, like, the, the whole smoking thing contextualizes my kind of greater feel of fear of the world. We, we were talking before this. I have this anxiety as a parent that every parent has ever had. Right. You know, like my kids are young. I'm like, God, what world are they growing up in? Look right. at how fucked up things are right. in X, Y, and Z. But smoking, like you said, is universally known. It was like, oh, this is a bad decision. Right. This is a fucking bad choice. Right. Um, not even 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Right everybody smoked right like everybody fucking smoked everywhere right and it was in the it was in the mid 90s that people were starting to be like ah we probably shouldn't right so i think only 25 years ago i have like two friends that are smokers now sure right i don't know people that right. smoke I, I like when i walk into a bar that people are smoking i'm like holy shit right smokers still exist yep but yep. like when i was a kid Every fucking friend I went to high school with smoked. Right. I'm the only one who didn't. Right. And it was really, it was because my dad was a smoker forever. And I tried smoking because I, I am also the weird dude. I genuinely believe smoking cigarettes does make you look cooler. I, I'm not going to argue that. Sure. Like when they told yeah. me in Dare, like smoking's not cool. I'd be like, bullshit. Right. Smoking's fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, but my dad smoked like two packs a day my whole life. He just quit like five years ago. Um, and it was like, he always smoked in our house. So I've had, I've just forever smell, had right. like long, not even the smell. I have lung issues. Oh, sure. I yeah, always yeah. have. Yeah. Um, not like serious ones, but enough that like smoking doesn't like, I got, I, I cough, I get right. sick, I physically feel ill. Right. So like every time I've ripped a cigarette in my life, I'm like, oh, I, I just can't. This right. isn't. Right. But like from ages 18 to probably 26 or 27 i me and fox were really like the only people i knew that weren't smokers legitimately everyone else was a heavy smoker yep now all of them have quit and so they're like i have like two friends that are smokers right and think of how short of a time in 25 years we went from like everybody smoking to now like very few people rel to the relative whole right. are fucking smokers anymore. Totally, right. And if, if that huge Yet cultural thing... it's still thing, a billion-dollar industry. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if that huge of a cultural thing can shift in that short of a period of time, it gives me hope. Right. It gives me like, hey, well, yeah, shit is pretty fucked up right now. Right. But, like, shit's been fucked up before. Sure. And look at how, in the grand scheme of things, short that fucked upness was. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's a blip. Right. Um, so that was a weird tangent about smoking, but so, so it smoking. does it does tie into. Uh, there's two things that you said that brought something in, into my head that I want to follow up because we were talking about skateboarding a little yes, bit. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd said yesterday, um, the new the Tony Hawk Pro Skater uh, was re-released. The the maps from one and two on. Uh, on all the platforms, mm -hmm. like using Unreal Engine, so it's all of the old maps, but super realistic. Right. Um, I don't know. I I I don't know your history with it, 
but THPS was like my life. Yeah, I played it a lot. At me and Gibson and Fox, like for years, we would just pull all nighters. Yeah, playing that shit. So that we've was, had it. Yeah, that was one of Noah's and I's like first games that we both loved. Ah. So we really, yeah, I was I was been texting him about it. Like, hey, you played that yet? Blah blah blah. We talked about all kinds of stuff. Dude, so yeah, fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, he so used like, to love build parks when, and all kinds of stuff. When so. it came out. Or when it was announced, like, Fox was me, like, I'm pre-ordering it. So we've had this weekend. They're like, oh, Labor Day weekend, Sunday, we're going to beat both. Right. We're going to start at 2 in the afternoon and play for as long as we need to. And we did. It took about 12 hours. But it was fucking awesome, nice. dude. It is so good. Downhill Jam is still a piece of shit of a map. <laughs> but everything else, and it's so spot on. But what also ties into that. Um, was they also coincide? There was a release last week of a documentary that uh, that someone made about Tony Hawk Pro Skater as a game. Oh, okay. Um, it's called Pretending I'm a Superman. Okay. It's only like an hour long, so I bought it on Amazon. Me, because like I gotta watch this, sure. and it was so crazy, like how much of a wonderful, perfect time capsule that one hour documentary was it was my favorite like piece of television that i've seen in a long time really? just because like one it's exceptionally well made like it really it's very very good on a just on its own merits it's very good if you have no nostalgia for it it's still really interesting like if you are interested in the video game world or the skateboarding world it's super well made for both. Right. So, like, if either of those things are of interest to you, and it's only an hour, it's right, not like right, it's super long, right. please watch it. Okay. As someone who's interested in both, it was just like, oh, it, 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 it gave me all of the feels all over again. Nice. And it was so, it's so weird. Because, um, like, skateboarding, at, like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater made skateboarding mainstream. Before that, it was super fringe. Right. Like, that was shit you got made fun of for. Right. That was shit you got ostracized for. Um, and me and my friends were skateboarder you're kids. You were a punk. Or, yeah. Right. Well, right. Me, and my, me and my friends were punk rock skateboarder kids. Right. And then, like, THPS came out, and all of a sudden it was mainstream. And that was awesome. Like, you know, like, it'd be really easy to be like, oh, fuck that. I was here before it was cool. No, dude. I am... I'm a big fan of things becoming mainstream because I'm like, yeah, man, more people that like my shit. Let's do that. Right. I'm going to get more cool shit. It's like, it's, it's the, the same thing when I hear people like, oh, I was a fan of comic books. He's fucking movie. I'm like, fuck you, dude. We only get these billion dollar movies because other people like our shit. Right. That rules. That's right. That's fucking cool. I'm so stoked that people like the shit that I liked. Gives me more people to talk to Absolutely. and allows me to get cooler shit. But it's, so I'm still going to be the guy that said I was there first. <laughs> But I'm glad there's other shit for you to enjoy. <laughs> but it was so funny watching it because it's like, in living that, I don't think I really, you don't understand these things are happening when they're happening. So like, as a kid that played video games and skateboarded, it was like, oh man, my worlds are colliding and now I've got this cool shit to do. Right. Um. And then like, as years would go on and I was in high school and like Ryan Sheckler's on MTV and then Rob Deerdex on, and it's like, 
oh, skateboarding's mainstream, and now everyone skateboards, and now the cool kids skateboard, and there's nothing left for me. And, like, you go through that weird jaded period. But, like, at the time, you don't realize that really it's that game that allowed that to happen. Right. And seeing people who were, like, really deep in the skateboard world reflect on that as adults, because, like, I'm a fucking kid. I don't have that context. It was just super interesting. It was like, oh, wow, like, this really did fundamentally change American culture. Yeah. In a really big way. It took a super fringe thing and made it a hu- a much bigger industry. And that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, right. That's pretty fucking nuts right. to right. be like, oh, yeah, we did kind of live through that. Yeah, right, you know, and along with the skateboard... You know, community brought that punk rock music to the forefront. For you know? sure. So it's... The amount of people that found the music that I love and the music that I was playing at From the time video game. through yeah. that yep. is a game. And that and that gets hit on. John Feldman's in the documentary right. a bunch. And he talks nice. about, like, he was like, yeah, Goldfinger was a band for six years before that came out. Right. And we weren't getting... Like much, a lot, much as anything along the way, they were on the downslope. Right, you know that was like, you and they already kind of hit here in the bedroom and hit, and you know, and things like that had hit, and yeah, it was, you know. And he was like, uh, in the documentary, in, in an interview, he says something to the effect of like, you know, we were playing a show in in Europe, and you know, like we were opening for a show, and we played, no one knew our shit, everyone was just there for something else, and we closed with Superman, and everybody was no. singing along. And he was like, genuinely, Superman wasn't a, a big song to them. Yeah. And then when it came, when that happened, he was like, I realize people found it through that game. And now that song has one been of the biggest our, hits. It, right. it, it, not one of, it is the song. Yeah, yeah. It is, you know, if you ask anyone that's not a 90s ska fan. That's the song. Who's like Goldfinger? Right. Sure. They're saying Superman. That's true. That's true. Like, yeah. that. that's the one. Right. And, it was, and he was like, yeah, dude, that, that game changed our career. They had the... The bass player from Bad Religion was talking the same thing. He was like, we were just a fucking punk band. Right. And, like, Bad Religion is a monster name in the punk rock world. Right. But that's all they were. At that point, they've been together. For 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they've been together 15 years. Yeah. They, like, uh, Brett owned Epitaph. Like, they they were the name in punk rock. Right. But, like, that's all they were. Right. Right. And then THPS came out, and he was like, now, like, we were becoming mainstream we right. were becoming recognized yep. like people were interested and it's just it's cool man it's yep. a it's a fun documentary to watch That's you can cool. rent it for like three bucks on youtube oh okay um i bought it on amazon for eight because i was like I, this is one that i'll watch 10 times right so it's worth eight bucks right. to me right but yeah you can rent it on amazon for like five you can rent it on youtube for like 3.99 um i'm pumped to know too that super worth it the the game is good it's, mm. it's, it's a fun game so it was they took and it's pitch perfect every map and then they kept all of the same goals but then also added some okay which was awesome because like thps one each map only had five tapes each map had High score, pro score, skate, mystery tape, and what was the fifth? I think the, I don't even remember. 
But they all followed a formula in the first one. Okay. It was only five tapes, and those were at least four of them. But then, like, as the games went on, and they were able to grow and expand, like, more were added. So this was treated like that. Like, every map had, like, ten challenges. So you still had the oh, skate okay. challenge. You still had high score, pro score. You still had the, the same secret tapes. But then it would add, like... Oh, now you need a combo score. Now you have to trick this gap. Now you like, okay. So they added elements that were like, okay, I still get the original game. Right. It's the same map. It's the same. It's a little extra shit, but here's some more. Right. And then it was also cool because like they included it's all the original skaters, but they also included the new generation of skaters. Oh, that's cool. So it's like it's really badass that like that game made a bunch of. Like, no-name skateboarders, household Huge. names. Like, yeah. people knew who Rune Glyphberg was. Right. When really, like, you had to be, like, deep cuts watching 411 on VHS to, like, know Rodney Mullen. And, right. And to know Jamie Thomas. Yeah. Like, you're watching fucking bootlegs of your cousin's skate tapes. At least I was. <laughs> um, but, like, these games made them household names. And it's pretty cool because now they have a whole new generation of young skaters it's so like you can show up and play with Bob Burnquist or Eric Costin if you want to, but you can also be like Nyjah Houston or all these new name is there, skaters, and that's that's super cool. Is it there yet, or did I read it's coming? Is there going to be like an online community version where you can skate with friends? Like I thought there's a you could I like, don't know. I thought they were leaning towards an online version. Where I would you could believe build that. a map, kind of like a Fortnite thing, and invite your friends to skate in your. Well, park. you can build skate parks, right? But this. you can't bring people into it right now. I don't know. Okay, I, well, I don't own a game system. I okay. have not since Nintendo sixty four. Okay. I just only fucked with it at Fox's house Fair yesterday. Enough. Fair enough. So I don't know enough. I I wouldn't be surprised if that already. I just, yeah, that just sounds like a great idea. Yeah, cool that it, seems so. like a logical thing for nice. it. What nice. I'm hoping is that the success of this has them do another one with the maps from 3 and 4. Okay, yeah. Like even though 3 and 4 were better graphic-wise, so they didn't they don't need to. I feel like just based on like, pre-sales they're going to do a 3 and 4. I hope so, yeah. cuz like THPS 4 is the best game in the series. It's fucking awesome. Those maps are so fucking fun. So we were playing yesterday, like we were having a great time, but we all kept being like, "Ah, fuck, I want to play this park. Yeah. I want to play this park." Yeah. And it's not on there. Right. I keep thinking, like, right. come on, next year, give me a drop next year. Saying, give me a three and four. They'll either do a three and four or they'll make it like a downloadable content to add to, to right. this one. You know what I just mean? Just let so, me add the maps. Right. Right. You, like, <clears throat> you don't have to do any work. Right. You just have to reconfigure the graphics. Ten bucks, here's a new map, go. Right. Like, right. I, I want that so badly. Right. I want that badly enough that I'd be tempted to buy a new Xbox. That's more what they lean to now, anyways, because it's so much cheaper just to do that. Like expansion packs? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Okay, I got a couple of little things. All right, let's hear them. So we've talked previously about possibly the mask coming back. They're waiting on Jim mm-hmm. Carrey. He has signed on to do two of them. Really? So we're going to get two of those at some point. Once again, I I don't think I want those. Sometimes I chalk these things up to people are at their house and they have tons of free time. Is any of this stuff ever going to get made? You know what I mean? Right. Because people are I, I writing and, and creating so many stuff. Really? You don't want to see more mask? No, no. It's like, I dumb and dumberer. Yeah, or dumb and dumber too. I don't know which which sequel it was. The, the re- one that the didn't have sequel. Shia LaBeouf. Right. The one that was right. the real sequel, not the prequel. Right. Yeah. Like that should be enough to remi- like same thing with like Joe Dirt two. 
Yeah. There's these movies that are wonderful <clears throat> because they existed in the exact right time and place. They were they aren't necessarily great movies. Right. They are just of their time. Perfect movies right. for that moment. Sure. They were that perfect version of comedy that no one had caught at that time with the right actors at the right points in their career and boom boom boom. And then I don't need to capitalize on it when there's not more story to tell. Now, I understand the mask, like, it's a comic. Right. So there is more to tell there. But also, like, the reason the mask movie works is because Jim Carrey just sure fucking worked like that in the right. 90s. Right. Not to say that Jim Carrey still doesn't work because motherfucker killed it as Dr. Robotnik and right. Sonic. Right. And I loved him in that. Right. And I still believe in Jim Carrey. But I don't need Jim Carrey in those roles again. It's just like if someone's like, oh, we're making a third Ace Ventura. Fuck off. I right. don't care. I don't want it. Let the thing that already exists be good enough. And if you want, like, again, if you want Jim Carrey to be that, write another fucking Sonic movie because Dr. Robotnik was vintage 90s Jim Carrey. Like, I watched that and I was like, holy shit, man. This is so fun. <clears throat> Such a great performance. I don't need him to just make like a cash grab sequel. I agree. To just be him. I just with all the interviews I've seen him do, I don't feel like he's the cash grab kind of guy. So to me, if yeah, if he's on board and he's gonna be, I mean, he did make Dumb and Dumber too. He did, but I don't. Is it as good as the first one? Absolutely not. <coughs> is it horrible? I don't think it's horrible. Brandon, I don't think it's. I'm not saying it's fucking. It's great. very bad. It's pretty not. It's great. very bad. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not Caddyshack too. True, <laughs> but I mean, not everything can be. No, no, nothing can. And there's been, you know, very good sequels. You're right. Ghostbusters two comes to mind. Right, but I'm not against sequels. I don't love the sequel as reboot. Okay, thing. that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. like if they made like the mask worked in what ninety five or whatever right. when it came out. If the mask two happened in ninety seven. All right. Like, I get it. Right. But to to make a sequel of that movie that worked 25 years ago and didn't like, 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 yeah, it was a big deal, but it's no one's favorite movie. Oh, no. I don't hear anyone going back like, no well, one's clamoring for that. You'd be surprised. I don't know. I just feel like, I, I feel like we're past the time of needing a sequel. And I would rather see something else greenlit. But I, that said, we're also past the time of needing a Ghostbusters 3, and I'm super stoked <clears throat> to get that. So maybe it's just because I'm not well, then, that huge of a fan of the source material. Then let me throw this one at you. They want to do a Hopper spinoff for Stranger Things. Because the kids are getting old. No one wants yeah. to see a bunch of teenagers anymore. I'm not... I'm not judging i'm putting it out there this is what i read i winona would be in it so it would be a continuation it wouldn't necessarily be the early days well i guess it could still be the early days i don't know how much i want to or don't want to see that i at this moment it would depend on what happens to him in the next season correct right i and, mean if well he's... and like at this moment i am for sure like oh i'll give that a chance right but you don't want to see him fighting demons in the 
upside down? Yeah, I don't know if I want really more than anything. I think like season one Hopper was like a cool part of that show. The last two seasons, what's made what's made me really like Hopper and really interested in Hopper is his relationship with Eleven. Sure. Like I feel like that has made him interesting. If they're doing a Hopper spinoff, but what if they're it's, not? Like, he's doing this to protect her. You see, she's I, not in it, but she's still right. But that, I'm not. I don't that, know, know if that dynamic is. I don't know if he's as interesting to me without her. Okay. And I'll like, just put it out. I'm just. I, I don't know. I feel like of everyone in that cast, I think all of them. I mean, Finn Wolfhard is clearly doing well. Right. Um, the Gatton Matazaro or whatever. Sure. He's on Broadway and right. shit. Like he's right. doing well. Um, but like Millie Bobby Brown is really the standout of that show that like, she's going to be a fucking star for years, man. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so she's the one that they definitely can't afford to bring back. Sure. And she's also the one that in relation to Hopper, at least, Makes me most interested in seeing his story. They could afford to bring her back in a few episodes if they're not yeah. bringing back any other kids. You know, what I mean? sure. I'm, I'm just throwing it sure. out there because I'm sure Winona's not cheap anymore. Uh, I don't know. I think Winona's at that point in her career where, like, an- I don't think she's like cheap, but I think she's Netflix budget. That's fair enough. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they, they spend a lot Still of money. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like she's on, she's in that. Well, part they got of her Mark career. Wahlberg movies and shit. They're spending some money, right? So well, yeah. it's, she's in that part of her career though, right? No, Whereas right. like Millie Bobby Brown is on the upswing, sure, and she's sure. entering the prime of her acting career. Where like she's gonna be in some big, big shit. Yeah. Um. And I, I again, I'm not poo pooing it. <clears throat> I'm I'm interested enough. That I'll definitely give it a shot. Sure. But I, I just feel like what makes him most interesting is that that whole dynamic. Right. And, I, you know, I don't know what story they want to tell or anything like that. So I, I'm just, all I said, all I read was Netflix um, looking to do a Hopper spinoff of some sort. Don't know, like I said, anything other than that's what they want. Is this happening? I have not heard that. You know what could be interesting? So now I'm going... Season three ended mm-hmm. the way it did mm-hmm. with him being presumed dead and kind of being in the upside down. Right. Not, and then all of a sudden appearing in Russia. Right. So in that experience, let's say he does some version of teleporting through the upside down. Sure. And gains some sort of, not even necessarily supernatural ability, but supernatural sensitivity so sure. at least. Yeah. And it essentially becomes fucking Hellboy. Which he already did. True. But like this Hopper show then is him coming out of it being being a product of the Upside Down, but fighting the Upside Down. Right. Much like Hellboy is a product of yeah. Hell, but is yeah. fighting Hell. Uh, th- this might be the backdoor way for him to be like, let me get another crack Told at Hellboy. I could do it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That actually kind of That's funny. makes sense. That's funny. I um, The only thing I have left is kind of my get off the lawn moment of the week. Can't wait. And it's not really, you know, age-centric, necessarily. It's more about fighting the man. Okay. So we're all very familiar with the Arrowverse, right? Yeah. You know, started with uh, the uh, Arrow. The Berlanti-verse, bro. Sure, sure. 
and you got you know the flash came in um what came after Su- the flash um supergirl well um legends of Tomorrow, legends of, yeah you know black lightning right all that good stuff of course arrow has since been canceled yeah. no longer there cw now wants to call it the cw verse <laughs> i fuck right off right i mean come on so that's just a shit move well right well that you've built your entire thing what, it, what feels to me is it's just like it's a stupid move because like the Arrowverse was never called the Arrowverse. They it was never like, called we it. We just decided that as fans. Right. So it feels to me it's like like that's how nicknames happen. Right. In the moment, Naturally. your friends or your people start saying things. Right. right. Um, if you give yourself your nickname, you're just a douchebag and no one uses it. Yes. And also, if you're going to give it one, you say the Berlantiverse. Right. Because he's created it, after, it. Right. Well, right. he's the one who created it. And, uh, spoiler alert. Supergirl was not a CW show to begin with. True. You know, like, well, it, they just bought it. Right. These are all shows that Greg Berlanti imagined and, and put together and show ran and, well, and built a shared universe. And, He's the guy that did it. And you not just for nothing, for CW, but your network changes every 10 years. Right. So, I mean, come on. It's, you're going to be the WB and you're going to change it to something else next week. What happened there that made it the CW? I think, uh, didn't Warner Brothers just sell? I think that's all it was. Did they? I'm pretty sure. I don't have an official Dude, answer. It's crazy because, yeah. like, the WB was dope. Yeah, it had some great stuff. Yeah. Like, when I was a kid, at least, like, in the 90s, yeah. the WB was dope. Right. And that was also... Unfortunately, all I think of is that racist frog, for the most part. <laughs> that's the big thing that stands right. out. Yeah. That's that's fucked up. Yeah, it is. But what, like, and honestly, it's like, I don't even know how much of it was the WB was awesome, but just, like, Channel 11 in St. Right? Louis was awesome. Yes. Because they played... Like, before Fox Sports Midwest, they played all the Cardinals games that were televised and all the Blues games. Channel 11 was weirdly, like, the indie chant. Like, right. it wasn't like, you know. But it wasn't, because they, they, the they, they, they were the only network that were playing our sports team. But that wasn't that was a big deal back then. You didn't make money playing sports right. on back then. There wasn't big network contracts and but shit. But they had, so. yeah, they had baseball and hockey. Right. Um, had Buffy and Angel. And all the best cartoons, <laughs> right. dude. It, had, it was Batman the Animated Series. Right. Um, it, I, it was the shit, it was Animaniacs. Um, and then I, I'm also a little bit bitter because th- when they switched to the CW, that was when they canceled Veronica Mars. And I'm going to, I'm going to hold a grudge because I feel like that transition's probably to blame because that show is fucking perfect and it deserved more. Some things you just can't let go, can you? I can't. I, I fucking can't. And the WB... They went from Buffy, and then, like, as soon as Buffy ended, it was like a year and a half later, we got Veronica Mars. It was like, awesome, man, you're going to scratch that same itch and do it better. And then you fucking become the CW and start canceling my shit. Wasn't it something even before that? It was the WB. Was that what it's been for the longest time? I feel like it changed names a couple times. In my, in my, I mean, you're older than me. Maybe it was something before WB. But, like, like for for me being a kid. Yeah. My all of my memories are KPLR eleven the WB right maybe yeah it was always KPLR eleven but I felt like uh, I could have swore it was something else before that and now it's like a weird offshoot of Fox right I want to say they own it yeah I think Fox owns well it's like CW has its own shows like I obviously right. with the Berlin but it's under stuff. the Fox umbrella I believe but like I feel like at least in St Louis. Every time I see like the Fox News van, well, it's got yeah, they KPLR. Uh, like I right. think it's the same fucking. It's the same channel, the same network, right? They use the same. As far as their local affiliations, right? 
I think it's the same fucking programming. Right. Uh, yeah, occasionally I'll watch Channel 2 News and their microphone say Channel 2 and then it has split in the middle, Channel 11. So it's yeah. split right So it's side. like the same yeah. fucking net. It's but, the same yeah. local affiliation right. at least. It's kind of like the minor Which leagues, is I weird. And that's a t- bad way to say it, but it's kind of like the minors. Sure. Because occasionally when like the weatherman on Channel 2 is off, they bring up the Channel 11 dude and he's doing the weather on Channel 2 now. So it's one of those... They, like a sister station, which is a because sh- like again, the, like the point when it was the WB, like that was a legit network, man. Yeah, like they had big program. Like yeah. Buffy was a big fucking program. Yeah. They had a uh, Seventh Heaven, that was yeah. a big fucking yeah. program. Yep. Yeah. Um, what's the other? Uh, then they had that John Ritter thing when he died. Um, like dating, oh, dating re- my daughter. Yeah, with Kelly Cuoco. Yes, was the yeah. daughter. Wasn't that on Eleven? Maybe not. Maybe I, I don't know. Remember. I, I didn't remember. watch that show. I didn't either. Yeah, but like, I mean, for the most part, they're the king of the rerun. Don't get me. But but sure. they had that good run there but where they had a lot they of had original the dramas. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, no, they had. But I'm Buffy ran for like eleven years yeah. and was a fucking ratings, uh, fucking darling. Yeah. Angel did really well. Seventh Heaven did really fucking well. I, I confuse a lot of the early fox shows with that because like married with children and stuff like that uh-huh it was all like early like sure. early fox was irreverent as fuck like early hbo you know what i mean right. it, was, it was this it was early fox was clearly cops and the, morton downey jr yeah, and it was you know early fox like fox was the late network to the game right. they came in in the 90s right and they were the they were the fucking Gen right. X network. Right. Dude. Yeah, oh, big like, time, big time. Like it was, they had some... it was CBS and NBC and ABC. Yeah, we're all doing their traditional shit, and then Fox showed up. And we're like, <clears throat> we're stirring the fucking pot. Man. Fox we was, were making yeah. Fox Gen was like X shit. The National Enquirer TV. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just. I remember. I still had this vivid memory in my head, man. And it's we'll we'll end on this because it's such a random thing, but it, it always makes me smile. It's like one of the only times, or not the only time. One of the times I remember making my mom laugh really hard, which is a great feeling. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. So we're watching TV, and it was some. Um, it was it was Fox. I'm in Springfield. I'm I can't remember exactly. I'm young, so because it's like a Friday or Saturday night, and I'm home. I don't mm-hmm. have. I'm not. You know. So I'm under thirteen. I'm probably ten to twelve somewhere sure. in there. And we're watching this uh, TV show. It's all about um, is Elvis still alive? You know, because. <laughs> Because that was still the thing in the 90s. You know, he's, yeah. is he oh, on yeah. an island? People have seen him here. It was like watching a Bigfoot thing or, or like the right. history and UFO until stuff. Until Tupac replaced him. Totally. It totally. Was, it was Elvis. So it's all these sightings, all this crazy shit. And, you know, there was no pausing stuff or whatever like that. So it cuts the commercial and boom, our phone rings. And I pick it up and I go, Mom, it's Elvis. <laughs> and she laughed so hard. You know, I mean, it was just the dumbest thing That's ever. It's a good bit, man. Uh, it was like it's a good bit, uh, Brandon. I, you, you can remember that. For, I'll remember that the rest of my life. Just yeah, making the, your mom laugh like that absolutely. naturally for absolutely. the first time. Oh, that sticks with you, man. That sticks with you. But it was a shit. I remember a shitty, you know, where is Elvis type show. You know, yeah. Some, you know, they're they're interviewing fry cooks in Memphis, and you know, it's, <laughs> it was the worst thing. He was back for that peanut butter and banana sandwich. Oh, totally, but look. I know everybody it was, was so serious. It was so looking back on. I wish I could find. It. I have to hunt it down one of these days. So terrible, so funny. Fox childhood, right? You know what are you gonna do? What well, gonna shit. Do? That's all I got, man. You got anything good? No, man. That seems like a good place as any to end. All right, and uh, we will see y'all soon. Thanks, guys.